Welcome to River Fellowship Podcast. At River Fellowship, we strive to experience God, exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage the world. This week, lead pastor Daryl Anderson continues his series titled Elevate with part five, Elevate Thinking. We can choose what we think on. Colossians 3 gives two choices. We can think on things above or on earthly things. This message gives reasons as to why the choice we make is extremely important. To learn more about River Fellowship at Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org. We've been in this series entitled Elevate, and the definition for elevate is raise, but it has two connotations. One means to lift up. And so when we talk about elevating Christ, elevating God, we're talking about he's lifted up. The second aspect is to step it up. So when we're talking about us, we're talking about this concept that we may need to step up our game in order to elevate Christ and that he be lifted up in us and through us. There may be some things that we need to step up and do. Last week, we began that part of the definition with elevate identity and the, the understanding of the ability to understand identity is to understand who made us, how he made us, and why he made us. And the bottom line is that we are a, a wonderful masterpiece created to make beautiful music. So today, we look at another topic, and that is to elevate thinking. We may need to elevate our thinking. And I want to start this by giving you a little word picture, a little analogy, uh, because this will... This will be the word picture as we walk through thinking. I'm sure all of you have seen at some point uh, a movie or a show where somebody's kidnapped, and when they kidnap them, what do they do? They throw a hood on their head like this. Now, I want to be sure you can still hear, still hear me. If you can hear me, raise your hand. Okay. Okay, here's the scenario. Some bad guys come, and they kidnap this person. They put this hood over them and they throw them in a vehicle and then they take them out to some remote area. Now, the reason they put the hood on them is they don't want them to know who's actually kidnapping them and doing this to them. They don't want them to know where they're going and they don't want to know them to know where they are. So if by some chance they're able to communicate with somebody or get word out, they won't be able to say where they are. So let's just say in this scenario that this person's kidnapped for a while and so they're under this hood for a period of time. But finally, law enforcement, they discover what's gone on. They find this person that's been kidnapped. So they come and they arrest the kidnappers. And then they come to rescue the person that's been kidnapped. But when they come to try to pull the hood off, the person knocks their hands away and says, no, don't remove the hood. Well, the police officers try to explain, hey, you've been rescued, you've been saved, you can take the hood off, you don't have to live with this hood anymore, but they won't take the hood off. Why? Because they've become accustomed to living with the hood on. Now, man, it's hot in there. <laughs> now, that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it, that somebody would do that? But spiritually speaking, there are people who are thinking like this. And this becomes a word picture for our thinking. Here's the bottom line I want you to take home this morning, and that is what you think affects how you live. And I can get used to the wrong kind of thinking and live my life based on that kind of thinking. So if I begin to think the wrong way, then I begin to think on the wrong things. If I begin to think on the wrong things, I'll begin to believe the wrong things. And if I believe the wrong things, I'm going to live the wrong way and live 
for the wrong things. So what I think and how I think affects how I live. So in other words, negative thinking breeds negative living. Worldly thinking breeds worldly living. Sinful thinking breeds sinful living. Selfish thinking breeds selfish living. But spiritual thinking brings spiritual living. And elevated thinking will breed elevated living. So our foundation passage is Colossians 3. I hope you found it. We're going to look at some other passages this morning as well, but this will serve as the foundation. Colossians 3, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So here's the encouragement, here's the exhortation that we set our minds on things above and not on earthly things. In other words, that we elevate our thinking. Now, Paul here has basically described two types of thinking or put thinking in two categories, if you will. There's thinking on things of this earth and things above the earth, things that are worldly, things that are heavenly, higher things, lower things. And the reason he says it's so important to set our mind on the things above is why? Because what we think will determine how we live. So our life is impacted either positively or negatively based on what we set our mind on. So let's walk through these two types of thinking, these two categories of thinking this morning. So here's the first one. I'm going to call it lowly thinking. One option is we set our mind on earthly things, on lowly things, and we begin to think lowly, downward on earthly things. Keep your finger there in Colossians. We'll come back to it. But you can also look at Ephesians chapter 4. We see in Scripture um, a couple of passages that reinforce this concept of lowly thinking, of thinking on earthly things, and what it does to us, what the implication is. And one of them is here in Ephesians chapter four, verse 17. And it's what I'm gonna call futile thinking. Verse 17 says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Now, sometimes when Paul refers to Gentiles, he's talking about those who are not Jews. But other times he's talking about those who are not believers. And so here he's talking about those who are not believers in Jesus Christ. So he could say, You must no longer live as unbelievers do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to every kind of impurity. What we see here is this aspect of futility of thinking. And futility here means frustration or emptiness. Thinking is understanding. In other words, the picture that's painted here is people begin to experience much frustration in the way they're living because they can't figure out things. They can't figure out what life's all about. And it begins to frustrate them. Or they've they've accomplished so many things, but they're still empty on the inside. And they can't figure out what the problem is. Well, the problem is they've been darkened in their understanding. In other words, because they can't see the light, they're, they're making bad choices and they're focusing their life on the wrong things and it's beginning to affect their life. And it leads, it says in verse 18, to a separation of the life of God. In other words, it begins to exclude and alienate them from life, the life that God intended. 
And it results eventually in what the passage calls a hardening of heart and a loss of sensitivity. In other words, in their life, because of what they're focused on, because of what they're not able to see and not able to think on, what happens is what begins as this frustration and this emptiness in their life over a period of time develops into this hardening and this callousness and this unfeeling that they can't even, that they're, they're beyond trying to figure life out. Now, they're just, they're just living this dark life separated from the life of God. Here's basically what's happening. What's happened is they've been thinking on lowly things. It's as if they put this hood on and their eyes have been darkened. They're not able to see what life is really about. They've gotten used to living life under the hood, if you will. Everything's dark and so they begin to think that living with the hood on is normal. This has become normative for them. Now, the spiritual connotation here is that they have begun to live in sin, but for them, they don't even recognize it as sin. Sin has become normative for them. Life without God has become normative by them. It's because their life has been consumed by darkness, and now they're not even able to see that there is light and that Christ is the light. This is what Scripture calls futile thinking, and it is this lowly dynamic of thinking on the earthly things. There's another passage in Romans 8, chapter 5 that gives us another uh, context here, and it's what I call fleshly thinking. And in Romans 8, verse 5, it says, those who live according to the sinful nature, in the Greek that means the flesh, so it's talking about flesh. Those who live according to our flesh have their minds set on what that nature or that flesh desires. Verse six says, the mind of sinful man is death. In other words, the one who is thinking on this fleshly thing, the result is death. Verse seven says that the sinful mind is hostile toward God, which means antagonistic or hateful toward. Verse eight, the one controlled by this nature cannot please God. Here's the picture that this verse is painting. You've got futility of thinking over here, which leads to frustration and emptiness and then this, this, this callousness but you also have this fleshly thinking, which my heart is set on the things of this world, the things that my flesh desires. And when I begin to think on that, I begin to live and pursue that. And the result of that, it says, is death, which is destruction. And it's separation, it's hatred, it's hostility, it's antagonism toward God. Now, it's not God antagonistic toward us. He always sees us with love. But we begin to become antagonistic against him. Here's what this is trying to depict. This, this lowly thinking is both futile and, fleshing, and fleshly. And the result is that of destruction, of separation from life with God, and antagonism toward God, and an inability to even see light and see hope and see peace and see life that Christ offers. It's this life that has, in essence, put this hood over us and we're seeing life through this darkened veil that we cannot really see and experience what real life's all about and what Christ has to offer. This is lowly thinking. But the other option in Colossians that Paul gives us is elevated thinking. And that's really what we want to spend our time on this morning. Colossians 3, 1, 2 says what? 
You've been raised with Christ. So set your heart on the things above where Christ is seated and set your mind on things above. He's talking about elevated thinking. So we'll ask three questions. First, what is elevated thinking? Well, if we were to paraphrase this verse, we could say that Christ is elevated and you are elevated with Christ. So set your heart and mind on those elevated things, not lower things. In other words, if you can visualize what he's saying is Christ is elevated. Christ is lifted up. He is above all. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But spiritually speaking, we are elevated with him and we sit with him. And so it makes sense that we think about those elevated things rather than these lowly earthly things. It, it, it fits that we think on where we are and we are elevated with Christ. And so he's encouraging us to think that way. In other words, here's some practical examples of elevated thinking. It's thinking above your problem to the one who can solve your problem. It's thinking above your need to the one who can meet your need. It's thinking above the earthly things to the one who has overcome the earth. It's thinking above what's going on right now to the one who's in control of everything that's going on right now. And it gives us two words of encouragement. It says, set your heart and set your mind on things above. And there's a correlation here. Set your heart's talking about passion and desire. Set your mind's talking about your opinion and your thoughts and your attitude. What it's saying is, I want to think this way because this is what I desire. In other words, when I set my heart on things above, when I set my heart on Christ, when I have a heart that longs to know God, longs to know Christ, because I have a heart for him, it just makes sense that I'm going to want to think about him. It's a lot easier to think about something that I really love. And that's the connotation here. So what is elevated thinking? Elevated thinking is setting your heart and your mind on things above. Now, the second question is, why should I elevate my thinking? Why should I think like that? Well, the short answer is what? Because your thinking affects your living. How you think affects how you live. I read a, uh, an article this week uh, that's an example of, of this whole dynamic of your thinking affecting your living. Uh, and it's about complaining. And the, in the research, it said that a typical person in a typical conversation is going to complain once every minute. So if I have a, a five-minute conversation with you, typically I've complained five times in that conversation. Now, the research said that your brain loves efficiency and it doesn't like to work any harder than it has to. So when you repeat a behavior like complaining, your neurons branch out to each other they're going to try to ease the flow of information. So this makes it easier to repeat that same behavior in the future. In fact, it makes it so easy that you don't even realize you're doing it. Now, the article says that you can't really blame your brain. Because, for example, if you're going to cross a river multiple times, it doesn't make sense to build a temporary bridge every time you want to cross the river, right? It makes sense to build a, a permanent bridge that you can use all the time when you cross the river. So that's really what your brain's doing. Your neurons grow closer together. The connections between them become more permanent. Scientists describe this 
process as neurons that fire together wire together. Now, what that means is that repeated complaining rewires your brain. It makes future complaining more likely. Over time, you find it easier to be negative rather than positive, regardless of what's going on around you, because you've rewired your brain. What this is an example of is that negative thinking impacts your brain negatively. And the reality is that our thinking affects our emotions, our body, our decisions, our behavior, our perspective, our direction. That's why it's so important to elevate our thinking because if the negative is true, so is the positive. And if negativity and thinking on the negative all the time rewires our brain toward the negative, then elevated thinking and positive thinking and thinking on the things of God will rewire our brain to where that makes that more normative for us. So it's about elevating our thinking. Romans 8, 5 says, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And verse 6 says, that mind that's controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Here's what these verses are telling us, Romans in particular, that there is this, this negative thinking, this earthly thinking, this lowly thinking, this futile and fleshly thinking that leads to destruction, separation from God, exclusion with God, hardening of heart, callousness. But now this mind that is set on Christ, that is set on the things above, that are set on have been raised to elevated thinking, that results in life and peace. What we begin to think on and how we think affects the life that we enjoy and experience. There's a great passage, Isaiah 26, 3, that says, speaking about God, you will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. You will keep in perfect peace he whose mind is is stayed on you, that you're thinking constantly about the Lord and the things of the Lord. I ran across another article, actually, that I'd known for years, but it reinforced it. Some of you may already know this, but they say, research says, that 85% of what we worry about never comes to pass. We spend a lot of time thinking about all this bad stuff and this negative stuff and this terrible stuff, and 85% of that stuff we're thinking about never happens. But of the 15% that does happen, 97% of that is either not nearly as bad as we thought it was going to be, or it was actually something that benefited me and helped me grow and helped me mature in, in a, as a person. So in other words, almost everything that we think about and worry about and fret about and get anxiety about and fear about doesn't even happen. But if it does happen, it's not nearly what we thought it was going to happen. But we've wasted all this time thinking about all this stuff. What does Isaiah say? He whose mind is stayed on him, he'll give perfect peace. And if we'll think on the things of God, if we'll keep our mind thinking on those things that are above the anxiety flees, the fear flees, the worry flees, and peace takes its place. But there's another reason why elevated thinking is so important is because it actually helps us think like Christ. 
1 Corinthians 2.16 says, we have the mind of Christ. If you're in Christ, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you have the mind of Christ because the Spirit dwells within you. You've been given the mind of Christ. But we still have to think like Christ. So when we elevate our thinking to where we begin to think on the things above, we actually begin to develop the mind of Christ. And the great news about that is the way you think affects how you live. So if I think like Christ, what's gonna happen? I'm gonna live like Christ. And when I begin to live like Christ and think like Christ, it changes everything about me. It changes my perspective on people that I begin to love them unconditionally, just like Christ does. It changes my perspective on problems that now I see that I have the opportunity to see God do the miraculous and do something wonderful and grow my faith. It changes my perspective on my purpose and why I'm here that we talked about last week when I have the mind of Christ and think like Christ. So that's why it's so important that we elevate our thinking. That leads me to the third question now. Most practical question, that's how do I elevate my thinking? If elevated thinking is the goal of what Paul's talking about, and if elevated thinking really will affect my life for the better, how do I do that practically? Well, let me give you four um, elements to that. And it's based here in Colossians chapter three, verse one. And it's all based on one word. And it's the word set. Because that word set has four connotations attached to it. And it's what helps us practically elevate our thinking to where we're living a life where we're thinking on the things above. The first one is desire. It says first to set your hearts on things above. And that phrase literally means to set your passion and your desire. Paul wrote that for a specific reason. He starts with setting your heart and your passion and desire. Once you do that, then you can set your thinking. Thinking comes afterward. As I mentioned earlier, it's much easier to think about stuff that I really love. If I really love doing something, I'm gonna spend a lot of time thinking about that. And if I really love Christ, if I really love the things of God, then I'm going to think more easily about those things. So it's about desire, it's about setting my heart on Him and that's a catalyst that enables me to set my mind. So if I'm having a hard time setting my mind on the spiritual things and the things of God, I need to check my heart. I need to check to see if I still have a desire to know Christ and a desire to follow Christ. Because if I have that desire, then that thinking becomes more easy, becomes easier. So for some, maybe some in this room, but for people in general, the first step is to fall in love with Jesus. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, it's gonna be hard to set your mind on the things of God without a relationship with him. And the very first step is to say, Jesus Christ, I want you to come into my life. But there are other people, and again, maybe some in this room, you need to fall in love with him again. You need to fall back in love with Jesus. Maybe because of life, circumstances, situations, stress, whatever's going on in your life, it's shifted your thinking back down to the things of this life and the, of the earth and my flesh and the things that this life has to offer. And maybe you just need to reignite that flame and that passion for Christ. It all starts with desire. To elevate our thinking, it starts with desire. Then that moves to the second element, which is discernment. 
Because in this word set, it says we can set our heart either on what? Earthly things or the things above. In other words, we have a choice. God has given us this ability to discern those things which are worth our attention and those things which are not worth our attention. Those things that are worth us thinking on, those things that are not worth thinking on, those things that are worthy of our thoughts and those things that are very unworthy of our thought. We can discern what we latch onto because here's the reality for us. I can choose what I think on. I can choose. I can choose what to think about and how long to think about it. <laughs> and I can think about some really bad stuff, but that's my choice to keep thinking about that stuff. I can discern what thoughts I should grab hold of and keep and those that come in my head that I need to release and get out and not contemplate on. It's my choice. And God's given us the ability to discern. Because the reality is here, 1 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of Christ. And when we give our life to Christ, the Spirit of God comes in us and the Spirit of God is the one that teaches us and guides us and gives us that insight so we can think with the mind of Christ. So because of the Spirit in us, we have the ability to discern, is this something I ought to be thinking about? Is this something I ought to be meditating about? Is this something I really ought to be lingering about? Is this the type of thing that God wants me investing my time and energy and thought life on or not? We have to be willing to discern what to think on and what not to think on, which leads to the third element, and that's discipline. Because this word set is really in the present tense. It means to keep setting to keep on doing it. It becomes a pattern. It becomes a habit. It's this practice of feeding my mind with things above. That's why we talk about prayer so much. That's why we talk about reading scripture so much. That's why we talk about having devotion so much. It's feeding our minds so that we can think on the things of God. I ran across another article uh, this week that was entitled feeding, or excuse me, was entitled train your brain. And it was really talking about, you know, like Alzheimer's and dementia and how you can do some things in your mind and brain to, 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 to wire your brain and, and train it and strengthen it and all that sort of thing. But as I kind of read through it, there was an interesting uh, analogy here because it gave in that article some things of that they called brain training programs where you could actually train your program, you could actually train your brain and program your brain by this consistent practice of doing these, you know, these things every day. You actually train your brain. Well, really, that's what you're doing when it says set your mind. It's a present tense. Continue to set your mind on things above. In other words, every day you make a decision that I'm going to train my brain and I'm going to think on the things of Christ. I'm not going to think about sin to do. I'm not going to think about what the world has to offer. I'm going to put my mind and focus it on Christ and things above. And I'm going to do that every day. And I'm going to set a pattern. That's what Philippians 4.8 really says. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And that phrase, think about, literally means make a pattern, make a process, make a habit of thinking on the things of God. We have to basically train our brain, discipline our brain, and the more we do that, remember that first story, the more we do that, it rewires our brain and it makes it easier for us to actually set our mind 
on the things of God and we begin to find ourselves thinking about the things above and we don't even realize that's what we're doing because it's becoming a habit in our life and it's changing the pattern of our life. Here's the final element and that's determination because the word set has the idea really of set in stone, set in concrete. It's stationary, it's immovable, and so when you set your heart and you set your mind, it is stuck there and I'm not moving it. I'm not gonna begin to look and think on the lowly things again. I'm gonna set it and I'm gonna leave it there and I'm not gonna fall back to futile thinking or fleshly thinking. Let me take all this and wrap it up. I'm gonna come back to my illustration here in just a moment and see if we can make sense of it. A couple of other verses that are interesting. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ. The evil one, the God of this age, has, has blinded the unbelievers. They can't, they can't see the light. Ephesians 4.17 that we read earlier says, don't live like them. Don't live like the Gentiles. Don't live like the unbelievers. In other words, unbelievers are blinded. They can't see the light. They're consumed with this futile thinking, this lowly thinking. But then it encourages believers, don't think like that, which insinuates that we can think like that. So let me wrap it up with this analogy again. Okay, here's what's going on. Spiritually speaking, Here's what's, here's what's happened. Because of original sin, because of our own sin, that we're all born in sin now because of original sin, Satan in essence has kidnapped us and he has put this hood over our head and darkened our thinking and he has taken us to a place that we do not want to be. But some people have had this hood and this darkness for so long that they've become accustomed to this. And now they're living their life veiled in this darkness, thinking that's normative, not able to see the light of Christ. But the reality of the cross is that when Jesus died on the cross and gave his life for us, what he actually did was come and rescue us from this kidnapper. And he has come and he has overcome that person that has kidnapped us and he has rescued us, he has set us free. But when Jesus Christ comes to us and says, hey, I've set you free. I'm going to lift the blindness. I'm going to lift the darkness. I'm gonna take the hood off. So there are some people that say, no, don't do that. They're so blinded, they think that this is real life. And so they won't even recognize Christ as the one who came to set them free. And so they refuse to take off the hood because they're still blinded. But there are others that when Christ does come, and says, I've come to set you free, they get it, they see it, they take that hood off, they're no longer blinded and they receive Jesus Christ into their life and now they're able to see the light of Christ. But somewhere down the road, for some reason, they decide to put the hood back on. <laughs> and even though they're in Christ, they're living like the unbeliever in darkness. What Paul's trying to communicate in this passage is don't live like that. Don't think like that. Don't be consumed by this world. Don't be consumed by the things 
of this world. Don't be consumed by the things of your flesh. Don't be consumed by the things that are sinful. Don't wrap your life around all this earthly junk because it's going to lead to darkness, to exclusion, to alienation, to separation, to hardness, to bitterness, to frustration, to emptiness. Instead, set your minds on the things above. Give your life to Christ. Set your mind and your heart on Christ. And if you do, you'll experience peace and life and joy and eternity and the kind of life that God has for you. So it's a choice. This morning, maybe there's somebody here that you still have the hood on. And this morning, Christ is coming to you saying, I've come to set you free. If you'll give your life to me, you can live in freedom and light. There may be some here this morning that you know Christ, but you've put the hood back on. And maybe this morning the Spirit's saying, hey, take the hood back off and live in the freedom and the light and the life that I came to give you. Elevated thinking's important because what you think and how you think will determine how you live. Would you bow with me? Thanks for listening. To learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, or to hear more messages, go to rfamarillo.org. Thanks. Have a great week.